Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Mike stirring his coffee. And stop stirring, stirring your coffee, yet. Mike. <laughs> I'm telling you, it always yeah. says I started with some friends. The friends are Jared Valentine and Evan Haynes. We should always give tribute to where how we, you know how we all are able to have this podcast because of those two guys. And they are forthright and honest and upright and righteous. And I've been working in the recovery business, Chuck, for how long now? 25 years, 24 years. How long have you been sober? 25. And I started when I was a year sober. There you go. That's all. It seems like about like fifty years or something. I know because I look so old. (laughs) But the but the thing is, you know how many unreliable people there are in this industry, Chuck. I think you've worked with three hundred of them, at least. Yeah. And Evan and Jared are as solid as they come. It's like it's hard to believe they're in the recovery business. It's like they they don't gotten. They don't. They don't patient broker. They don't do pee. They don't do any of the sleazy Orange County shit. Not that Orange (laughs) County is the center of sleazy shit, but it. Of course it is. Of course it is. (laughs) Of course it is. So one of the things that came up recently is it because we have a lot of people that are counselors and work in treatment that listen to the podcast. I know that because I get text messages and emails and stuff. So <laughs> every year the insurance industry rolls out some new rules, just like Bill Maher, new rules, right? Yeah. And it takes about, what is it now? The middle of April. It takes about now until all the dumbasses realize their their corruption fraud gimmicks they've been using for two years don't work anymore, huh. and 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 about four four of them have told me about this. It's fucked up. They're starting to bundle UAs. Did you hear about this, Chuck? N- no, I because ha- we don't do that. We do on site testing. Yeah, we don't. So so UAs was the P gold mine of the you know late. 2020 the P, wait the p gold mine yes yeah. it was a p gold mine where they <laughs> were name i could name names there are people that i know in orange county have 35 million dollars stored away in an offshore bank account from p just from p really? <laughs> they're gonna the someone's leading, gonna want to interview you you know that malibu treatment center or the one that you know everybody talks about so much has made 50 million dollars off a of p right That's yeah. how they, and they were mike they were letting you stay in treatment for free as long as you peed wow. <laughs> you know no wonder there's a big business for those fake wieners and stuff you know? <laughs> know. that's that's there's not so what much, the fake wieners are for <laughs> so much peeing so much peeing going on but so now the insurance industry said you know what we're not paying for these separate labs it should be a part of drug treatment. It should be bundled in the outpatient treatment. I love that. Like, there, it's been very, like, I'm not a big fan of the insurance industry because I think they don't know the, what's good about drug treatment. So they kind of neuter what's good about it in order to protect themselves from being frauded by all these scum, scumbags. But I understand why they do it. But they really don't understand how, how much they handicap your ability to do good treatment because they're trying to, to, to they're trying to root out the fraud, right? Right, but it's it's also um, I don't think it's it's totally their fault. And trust me, I'm no fan of insurance, but I think they're they're just getting robbed by people over and over and over and over again. And it's yeah, just so like, they should have a they should have a whistleblowing hotline like any other fraud situation. I can tell them three or four names right away. Like, like nobody, no, nobody comes. There's no like how you reach out to them to tell them, hey, look into this. But there's an even simpler way, Chuck. If somebody's billing millions of dollars of P, maybe you should look <laughs> into them. <laughs> there's a gold mine of P. 
<laughs> yes, a gold is. mine of pea. Well, it all dried up. The pea gold mine dried up. And the final oh, nail in the coffin was this new thing where UAs are to be bundled. I mean, I never, I never did it because, because I came up before there was all this money involved in treatment. And really, we didn't want to waste the cup. I remember the first time we got cups at Los Encinas. Like, they were like, you know, we were getting grinded. They were like $7. So you didn't want to waste one. So I would just <laughs> yeah. use it. I would just use it and say, dude, don't make me have to you pee in a cup. Come on. Like, just tell me you smuggled something in here. And nine out of <laughs> 10 times, they always told the truth, Chuck. I just always <laughs> use the cup. The cup was a, a clinical tool. It was a clinical <laughs> yeah, tool. It's, it's a threat. Yep. Well, it's just because I would say, you know, if you and it was true because we were an in-network facility for 100 years. And so we were a legitimate kind of rehab. Not that a lot of these aren't legitimate, but they're not. But uh, but so what we would say is like, listen, if 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 and I would tell the truth, if I make you pee in this cup and it's quantified that you smuggled drugs in here, your whole stay might not be paid for. And somebody's going to have to pay for it. Wow. Right. And yeah. because we worked in a hospital, I worked for a company that had like 11 hospitals. They don't fuck around. You don't go there and stay for 14 days and then smuggle drugs in and get kicked out. And we don't get paid anything. Fuck you. They're going to come <laughs> after you. Hospitals come after you. I'm waiting to be come after by Kaiser Hollywood over Idris being in the ICU. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, at least eight or $10,000. Like people think, see what happened with Obamacare. People think healthcare is free. It's not fucking free. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> not when Chuck wants his high salary and everybody, uh, yeah. everybody wants to get paid and the techs want to get paid and everybody wants to get paid. It's not free. But that's, yeah. that's the myth that, that came about like, oh, you're going to, yeah, the government is giving you free healthcare. But but providing health services is not free. It doesn't it costs a lot of money and people don't seem to understand that. They all think doctors are rich and fuck these people and the rehab people are rich and fuck them. No, dude, dude I it's, just I just went to the doctor like uh, last week for my yearly and to get my TB test. And the doctor who's new to me had to sit in front of a computer like I have to do it my work and answer questions and read things and we went through it like it was it was so not a doctor's visit i felt like i was being interviewed right. and, it, and it was exactly it i mean he had me fill out a, a phq9 that's, that's that's what they don't understand so i'm like looking at him going dude i get it they have me doing that stuff all day and we just we just had a meeting uh last week where you're going to have to see and do treatment updates every day master treatment plan updates every day for people in detox yeah every day so Are you but, that's not, but that's not that's not new though we used to have to after three days this is before obamacare after three days we had to appeal we had to like ask for oh no i day. don't mind it that's yeah, who you are i'm talking mind, about updates i don't mind battling day. it out yeah but it's just it's all become like medical Medicare. This is what it is. What is UR? U utilization review. It's how you get paid. Oh, okay. so so. But not to bore everyone, but it is funny now. Now, so look at this. So compensation isn't the same. So patient brokering is over. P is over. I'm optimistic that good people might be in, back in drug treatment. If there's no millions of dollars to be made off P or patient brokering, maybe, maybe our industry, and I was telling Christy this the other night, man, I was proud to work at Los Encinas. Mm. I was fucking proud of it. I'm not proud of working in the recovery industry anymore. It's horrible what these fucking assholes have done to our industry. Yeah. But luckily they're all leaving because they all got their yachts. They're all, I heard one guy in Malibu, he's still out in his yacht. He's, He's going to sail around the world. How great. Great for him. Let's have a round of applause. <laughs> Yay, Let's have yeah. a round of applause for the pea gold mine that leads to some 70-year-old dude sailing around the world like a big shot. Great, Man, great, that makes great. me wish the world was flat. 
<laughs> I, I hope those guys are right all of a sudden. Is it not right, right off the edge? Will, will he go right off the edge? Oh my that God. would be fantastic. That's what Kyrie Irving, the basketball player, believes that. I guess the uh, earth is flat is a bigger movement than you think it is. I told I mean, you. We all laugh. We all laugh That's behind the curve. Okay, couple of, couple of points that I know, you know, nobody cares about but me. The CDC <laughs> came out. The CDC came out <laughs> this week. You can look it up. That there's never been a transmission off of services to an individual COVID. So COVID can't be spread from being on surfaces. This is oh. going to be so sad for all the cleaning people. Because they got really, they got boosted <laughs> up, right? Because every place has to be, because I look at our preschool next door, like every night they spend like an hour wiping down every fucking thing in that building, right? Wait, and I'm you thinking, mean wiping down doesn't help? No, there's no transmission Jesus. from surfaces. They just oh found this out. God. And I mean, it's crazy. Think of all the hundreds of millions of dollars. Think of all the 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 cleaning service people who who just you know really were coming into their own they're probably buying new new trucks and stuff like because <laughs> every place had to be wiped down every day <laughs> and now it's Man. not true it's not See, there's, true there's my problem with science as they were so dead sure that that's what needed to happen they get to change their mind all the time they talk about rule out so they thought it was and there wasn't <laughs> enough you know, evid you know, enough kind of studies of it to find out. And then now this study came out, a bunch of studies came out. And of course, you know, it has to fit the politics of who's in power. And now finally right. the CDC released a study that, that you know you can't get COVID from surfaces. I'm glad you said that. It does have to fit the uh, political agenda and the alignment. But what's funny is they're saying in the article that I read today about it. It reassures people, like people that are in airports, they feel reassured. So they might continue to clean the surface, the surfaces publicly mm. <laughs> because it reassures the idiot yeah. public that they're safe. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. I love America. You know, I'm in a good mood. I just, uh, I just I can tell I, some uh, my perception of America is always the same. But sometimes I'm just great with it. And I just laugh at how insane it is. It's like the movie Brazil. Like, you know, <laughs> as long as you're not in it, it's funny. Right. <laughs> and, and, and then other times I just can't believe the, how idiotic everything is. So it's a matter of, I guess it's a matter of my bipolar cycles. Like I'm in a, I'm in an up manic cycle manic, and, I, yeah. and I feel good about it. Like it's fucking great. Let's keep cleaning the airports and the schools and let's keep washing down the shopping carts at the supermarkets so that everybody because. feels safe though there's no <laughs> way you can get covid from a surface that's <laughs> so awesome maybe they can just start doing it with water now save some money you know what i don't understand is like the the infection rate has gone down so much in la how come it was so high because i don't think anybody's doing anything different other than got vaccinated it, it could be it could be about the way it's reported. I I know that early on there was all this weird stuff happening, and I I know a person who was reported three times in the same week as contracting the disease, and she was in a nursing home, and they they recorded her three times as having. Well, how about you know just it's been COVID is one of my you know fascinate the the intersect of logic reason human beings politics uh, uh medicine public health education it's just the most interesting zeitgeist of all the idiocracy in the world and one on one subject which is this horrible virus right and so an interesting thing they never wore masks, really. They still don't wear masks in Texas. My friend was there a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago and said, nobody wears masks. No one in Texas. In Austin, they do. But outside of Austin, no one does. And mm. nobody wants to get vaccinated. So they welcome other sister states to come and get vaccinated there. How crazy is that? <laughs> but in Florida, it's even more interesting because this Republican governor asked his or uh, of Trump, um, he actually is an intelligent guy. 
So what they did was they vaccinated everyone in a nursing home and everyone that works in a nursing home. And if you if you wouldn't get vaccinated, you couldn't work in a nursing home. Okay. Right. And then they let the kids run naked and free down the beaches with no masks. Guess what? More people have have died in nursing homes in New York state and in California state than in Florida, the most <laughs> vulnerable people. And that's what I was saying in the beginning. If we know this affects the most vulnerable or 75 and over, and you're having these horrible situations like the original one in Washington at these nursing homes, let's vaccinate everyone in the nursing homes. Let's close it off with the national guard and then vaccinate everyone. <laughs> in the nursing, Oh my nursing God. Home. Wait a second. That's, that's, that's a little did. fascist. <laughs> no, that's what they did. You couldn't visit your, you couldn't visit your anybody in a nursing home after like May of last year. No way. You couldn't go in a nursing home. You didn't know that. No, I don't have anybody in a nursing home right now. Well, you're fortunate, right? Uh, very, very. So I, I like to say I grew up in a nursing home, uh, Westover Sanitarium on the corner of Overland and Palm in the wonderful city of Culver City. And I walked from school after school to the nursing home and I'd call bingo and I'd hang out with the old people. And it was my childhood was spent in a nursing home. How crazy is that? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. A combination, to, of that, that. a combination of that and breaking into uh, vacation houses in Palm Springs. That was my childhood. Like the nursing <laughs> home and the wildness of the rural desert. <laughs> the rural. <Right? laughs> I like the desert. It was still. rural. It was, it was rural back then. <laughs> there was no golf courses in Palm Springs. There was just drunk people, drunk old retired people. And the only famous the person that lives there was Frank Sinatra. That was it. Merv oh, Bob Hope. Bob Hope lived there. Oh, yeah, and Bob Merv Hope. Griffin. Hey, you know, yeah, Merv Griffin's name came up the other day. I was down there. Merv Griffin. So uh, I forget. What is Some Merv short for? Mervin. Mervin. No. Merv. Is Mervin a name? Merv. Mervin's a name? <laughs> is it? Short for anything. <laughs> so you know what's so crazy? My dad is named Idris, right? And he hated that name. So he always went by his initials, I.G., or people would call him I.D., right? And I was, okay. because he didn't like his name, I was embarrassed of his name. They'd say, what's your dad's name? And I'd say, I.G. And they'd say, what does it stand for? And I'd say, I don't know. <laughs> like when I was like eight years old. <laughs> okay. Because I didn't want to say Idris. Now, this actor guy, um, just everyone loves this Idris. Idris is how he pronounces it, but it's spelled the same. Um, he's just a great actor. And all of a sudden the name Idris is popping up. People love the name Idris. So that's what we named up my son, Idris, my newborn son, Idris. And everyone, including the doctor today was like, that's a beautiful name. What the lesson, <laughs> what the lesson yeah. in this is, you never know. Just wait a while. You never know. Yeah. Wait a while. Right. Yeah. And Gertrude's coming back. Gertrude, uh, well, you know, <laughs> at least at least all the leaves and the rivers and the valleys and all those names are going away. I guess I had uh, never uh, heard the name Idris, and then I started noticing the name Idris, like in movie credits and stuff like this. Yeah, little kids are being named Idris. Not the <laughs> only one our doctor had known of. How wow. crazy is that? Really? So my dad was born in 1918. I don't know why he was named that, but. Um, but but he hated the name his whole entire life, and then I was embarrassed of his name my entire life, and now my son is named Idris. That is progress, ladies and gentlemen. For all of uh. you that say America has gone to hell every second, not that name Idris. It came back around and became beautiful. Yeah. Unless so he now <laughs> feels the same way about Idris as your dad. When he goes, <laughs> yeah, he might. Most people but don't like their name, things. Though. His middle name is Muhammad. I guarantee you, he's not changing to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did with Sasha with Gideon. I put Gideon as his middle name, so he had to run with Sasha. <laughs> you planned that, Bob. You planned that, didn't you? <laughs> no, it's just because my everybody knows my dad who raised me, who I thought was my dad, was really my grandfather. So Chrissy's grandfather's name Muhammad. So then we did both grandfathers. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that's good. So that is cool. Uh, 
But I think we're just going to call him Mo. He looks like a Mo. He kind of looks like <laughs> Mo Howard. Yeah, certainly. You want to raise Mo? Yeah, he has that look, that Mo look. <laughs> and um, so he's healthy. We just came back from the doctor today. It's out of the woods. He gained two pounds in right. two and a half weeks. It's amazing. Because I, I didn't think he was going to die, but I sure thought he was going to be a sickly baby. And, and for that week that we were in the hospital and going back and forth, it was just scary shit. And then all of a sudden, babies are so resilient. Just give them some milk and let them poop and they'll figure it out. My dad always said that uh, you could just put kids in the field and just they would just raise themselves. I don't know. That's a Native mm. American thing. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what he was thinking. He was probably trying to make an excuse for him not being around. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. No, but. No, you, so, you can't really. That's what I know. That's what I said. Here's the things that you think are going to happen. So Sydney was the center of the universe, the center of our house for the last five years. And we're all nervous. And all our friends are talking about how is Sydney taking it and blah, blah, blah. And is Sydney going to be okay? And it's almost, if we lived in Hollywood, we'd be going to a therapist before Idris was even born. I remember, <laughs> I, I remember living like that, trust me. And so, so we were just like, ah, cool. And I, I remember saying, I'll just get her a kitten. And we got her a kitten. <laughs> and she <laughs> loves that kitten. And she carries it around. And like, but she hasn't been bothered by it at all. She's, she loves the baby. It's so weird how... I think that we have a society now, especially, I don't know, white privileged elites. They just tend to worry about everything before it's even a problem. They want you to worry about it, right? That, that, that is so, so common. And people want to, want to put all these ideas in your head of things that could go wrong. And most of them don't. Well, but mm -hmm. one thing that has gone wrong, so, so the original... The original release uh, checks, I happen to have some clients, and they were telling me how they were gambling on this website with their, because they're in sober living. Uh, I forget what they got. What was the original check? $700 or $1,200? $1,200, then six, yeah. then 14 Yeah, so they, so they get $1,200, and they were gambling on it in my sober living. In sober living, they nice. were going on some website where you can gamble. Now, how they were able to transfer the money from what the government put it in their bank account and then somehow put it in a gambling website. I think that next time we give money out, we should prevent that from happening. You can do all that online. You can create an on offshore account. And that's how and they gamble, gamble off offshore. Yeah, offshore accounts can... So somehow... and I felt ashamed. Like these kids like, are living in sober living on insurance. And they're gambling with money the government gave them in the middle of a fucking worldwide pandemic. I just thought it was, it wasn't funny, but then I laugh at everything. I, it just was insane to me. But that, Chuck, was better than what just happened when they got $1,600. I don't know if you're paying attention to the death toll. But so many people, they had an up, uptick in so many counties in America as in overdose deaths when that money hit people's bank accounts. So the first time around, all I saw was they were gambling with it, right? And, and or buying cigarettes and buying sushi. Um, but that's an L.A. rehab environment. And getting tattooed. But were they getting tattooed in Huntington Beach? Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. So it's good to know that uh, all this money is going to such good uses. So, yeah. So, but now, somehow, they've been buying dope and, and overdose deaths are skyrocketing. And Mike had sent me a thing a couple of days ago. Overdose death rate in 2020 was the highest ever in history of opioid overdose death rate. Did you know that? The highest Crazy. in history. Yeah. That's yep. with all the billions of dollars we spend on drug treatment and 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 uh alternative sentencing and suboxone and narcan and every first responder all the money we spent is not going to overcome addiction I, I you can just see it as plain as day until children until young people have hope 
until young people believe that their life could be as good as their parents, until young people believe that they can survive on their own and that life is worth living, will, this will just continue. It's just going to continue. It's going to be a blow part. Up the internet. Well, you know, it's so hard. It's so There's complicated. The internet. There's so it's so complicated. Like I hate to go down the mind blown conspiracy thing, but, but in my opinion, and I've blow always mind. This, it's called blow mind. Blow mind. I'm sorry. And the, the in my opinion, the um, the United States government considered the draft almost a a type of genocide because if those four million people that were killed in you know young men were killed in those that were killed in the Vietnam War. Or, whatever if they had kids that would be overpopulation and they kind of controlled population yeah, I, don't, I don't think i don't believe that that there's that much organization you can't there's even not there's not that anymore there's no more draft so so in other words drug addiction is being let run rampant but that's just my conspiracy theory it's being let rampant and it's almost sponsored they're spending billions of dollars on it like well, the, where's there's it going? never been resources. It's going into pea gold mines and buying the right? But but it's true that we we became a more compassionate society towards addiction. We loosen the kind of you know judicial part of it and the and the punitive part of it. We got access to millions of people to get drug treatment. It just didn't work. It didn't work because the young people have no hope. That's the problem, Chuck. Yeah, hope. Uh, hope. And I don't, I don't know how we, I don't know how to instill that other than to live. You know, we got to keep living and doing what we're doing and trying to, it, trying to be like people who not just talk about what we did, but like keep doing it. You know, keep doing it and keep grabbing these kids and not just not just feeding them the same horseshit, but showing them that life is, is worth living and ideas. that there's fun stuff to I'm, do. I'm back to my ideas of, of motivating people to live in different parts of the United States, financially incentivizing them to go. Because the way it looks now, I remember, Mike, remember when we were around New York City all the time in the mid-80s, late Yes, 80s? I do. It was, Chuck, you could live in New York City on the corner of Avenue A and 13th Street for like $900. You can't live there now for $5,000. Yeah. So, so what happened in New York City, which is no poor people, all poor people have to leave the premises immediately, like a, <laughs> like a, like a 2 a.m. Uh, everybody needs to and the lights come on and all the poor people need to leave. <laughs> And I swear to God, they did it in New York City. There's not one poor person left in New York City. <laughs> There's not. The shittiest apartment in New York City costs like $2,800. Okay. That, even if you make $20 an hour, you can't pay your own rent. So there's no way. So here's what my friend prognosticated the other day. He said in 20 years, the entire coast of the Western United States will be like that. No one will be able to live here. No poor people will be able to live here. It'll just be from San Diego to Vancouver, Canada, just nothing but priced out. Remember when they gentrified Los Angeles, I was living in it, right? So okay. what happens is all the people from, you know, West LA and West Hollywood and Beverly Hills and the Hollywood Hills, all of a sudden, it's cool to live in more cooler neighborhoods like Echo Park and Silver Lake. And, mm -hmm. and you saw all this gentrification, it's called, of that area. And what happened, the people, the working community who lived there were pushed south to the 10 freeway. Now they've been pushed, <laughs> now they've been pushed all the way down to like past USC. Because even, even a house on... It, 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 even a house on Hoover and, and, and Olympic is expensive, right? So the entire city of Los Angeles is, is uninhabitable if you make $20 an hour. It's not possible to live there. And it's is only going to get worse. Is that going to happen in Inglewood too since the new stadium? Oh, yeah, there? for sure. Can you imagine what it's like to rent a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment in Inglewood right now? It's probably $2,800, $3,500. 3, 
Whereas, you know, five years ago, it was $1,200. Yeah. So eventually people will be, it's the New York ization of, of the coast of California. It just, everyone will be pushed out. And instead of just being pushed a few blocks South, you'll be pushed a few 50 miles inland. Right. And, and I th- like to think, cause I'm always cutting edge, Chuck. I think I'm a trailblazer. <laughs> in it. And it wasn't like I do work hard and I, I have some means, not certainly not a lot, but I can, I can live in a two bedroom, two bath house in Silver Lake, but it's 900 square feet for $3,600. Who wants to live there with three kids? Fuck that. Yeah. I live out here for $3,500. What is it? Five bedrooms and four baths for the same price with four acres of land. Trust me, people are going to move away from LA and find different ways to kind of survive. And it but even comes sad, with bears. But this, yeah, bears. Yeah. But the sad thing is the kids are being imported into Los Angeles, into Los Angeles and Orange County and Newport Beach and Malibu and Santa Monica and Marina del Rey to get drug treatment. There's no way they can transition into a real life there. They have to go to Victorville. So I'm thinking Victorville is where tri- <laughs> drug treatment should be, right? In a community so that, that you so can, can set up shop. Yeah. yeah Apple true. Valley. Or and I'm thinking of Las Vegas too. Like Las Vegas, Las Vegas is amazing. I don't know why people think it's just a strip. It's one of the most amazing cities in America. You can get like a cool five bedroom, four bath house for like $2,200 in Henderson. In like you know, just twenty minutes from from the strip, oh, thirty yeah. minutes Amy, from this. Amy's other brother, one lives up in Humboldt, and the other one lives in Henderson. My former in-laws have a beautiful house in Henderson, or just on the border of Henderson and Vega, unincorporated Vegas. They have a swimming pool, and it's like less than three thousand dollars. So yeah. I'm telling you, we need to encourage young people. You know, move to move to Las Vegas, move to Nebraska, move to Idaho, move to Iowa. Get the fuck away from L.A. and Orange County and and San Francisco and Seattle. Get the fuck away from these towns that you're never, never going to have a life in. Never. Or go back home and take your take your newfound freedom. Don't you understand not? Don't you understand not wanting to go home, though? Like, I, this is the first time they've been away from their parents. I, I don't try to encourage them to go back home. That's where the problems are. But they should really I came try back to home. make a, I mean, a you came back them. home. You, you no. didn't go. Well, you know I mean? I, but LA was, a, L.A. was affordable in 1996. I, had, I always, I love telling the story. I got, I, the only reason why. I survived my first six months of sobriety was because of Anthony and Flea having a little faith in me. And, and this guy I met in AA that was so cool to me. And I'll tell you how it happened. I'm sleeping on Chris Hoy's couch. He's Bianca, his girlfriend's getting really tired of me. I was there about two and a half months. I could hear, you know, it's awful when it's really quiet at night and you can hear the couple that you're living off of talking about you. That's a horrible (laughs) thing. That's depressing. And I heard Bianca, who I love, and later she tragically died in a car accident. Um, I heard her say, well, he has to pay something. And I remember thinking, oh, God. Oh, geez, I don't have any money. Oh, geez. Oh, my God. Stand up for me, Chris. Stand up for me, Chris. <laughs> right? Yeah. So this because, grown man deserves to live for free. Yeah, thirty-five-year-old man Jesus. should be living for free. So, <laughs> so uh, the Chili Peppers were playing two concerts: one at Irvine Meadows, which is now it's a condo development of million-dollar condos, by the way. Um, no, no people coming out of treatment are going to be living in Irvine anytime soon. Um, so Irvine, I don't Meadows, think they're they allowed were... to have anything there. Do you know of anything happening in Irvine? A drug treatment? I, yeah, I think they've zoned against it. Well, they got them in Laguna, and so I mean, it's only five minutes. Everybody thinks Orange County so spread out. Like Laguna, you're in Irvine, and like when I, when I would be at my Laguna apartment. And I would want, and I would Google search uh, Target nearest me. It was in Irvine, but it's yeah. So but you got to go up, up to one thirty three to get there. It's in the no. It's in the 
it's in the school area and it's not a target like a real target it's like a tiny little college uh -huh. dorm top target so anyways uh so so they play in irvine meadows at the weenie roast right this is when dave navarro was in the band and and then they had to play the next i think they played no yeah the next day they had to play in san francisco at the beastie boys tibetan fest and they hadn't played in like a year so their equipment was in storage i brought it to the I, I went and got it me and keith morris went and got it brought it to their rehearsal space they rehearsed then we loaded it in the truck then we brought it down to irvine we slept in the truck because they were playing in the daytime i remember you, you would remember this irvine meadows weenie roast Kiss reunited with Ace Frehley and Peter Chris for that show. That's oh, I the, didn't go to that. The one. original uh, Kiss lineup. So Chili Peppers play. Then we load their equipment up, and me and Keith drive to San Francisco, and we got there in the morning and set up for the Weenie Roast. I remember I got paid twelve hundred dollars for doing that. I slept in the truck both nights, um, and it was amazing for uh, when I look back on it, it's amazing that they trusted me with their equipment because I wasn't yep. the most trustworthy guy. But Keith Morris was with me and he has never stolen anything from anybody. So I figure I figure maybe that was the like so yeah, if Keith wasn't in the truck, God knows what could happen. Yeah. So I, I believe so I get that twelve hundred dollars. There's a guy at Tropical AA meeting who manages an apartment building. He says, Bob, if you can get me first month's rent and half a month's deposit, I'll give you this apartment. But it's as is. And I remember walking over from Tropical with him and it was a shithole. It stunk like pee and it was awful. Yes. And the carpeting was awful. And the, the windows didn't fit in. Like you could pull it down as hard as you can, <laughs> those big old wooden windows. And there was still like an inch. It, it, it was synced up. It was closed on the one half and then it slowly just became more open till it was like an inch open in the kitchen area. And I remember sitting there going, isn't there a way to fix this? And he goes, if you want the apartment, you fix it yourself. And, I, <laughs> and it was a one bedroom. The bedroom was big enough to put a full size bed in and like a, a and like a lamp. Right. And um, and he said, I said, OK. And I had the money I gave him. It was four hundred sixty dollars a month. I gave him $690. I remember he gave me a $10 bill back from 700, right? <laughs> and he gave me the keys and he left. And I sat down on the ground against the door looking at this shitty godforsaken apartment, so happy. <laughs> and I was mm -hmm. and the next instant, Mike, you know me. My next instant is I got 400 bucks left. I'm going to fucking get paint. I'm going to get a carpet cleaner. I'm going to fix that fucking window. And, and we did it. Me and Max, my girlfriend and Keith helped and Anthony helped. And we fixed this apartment up. So dope. Yeah. And I lived there. <laughs> I lived there for two and a half years and Elijah, I got custody of Elijah and there was this big walk-in closet. We just made that his bedroom and he was happy as shit. He had a little, like not even like one of those things you roll away bed and we made mm -hmm. it into a real bed. And then he had a TV in there. And he had his own room and me and Max had this little tiny closet room and it was magical. The kids I'm dealing with don't see living like that as magical. It was <laughs> probably that first year was probably the best year of my life in that apartment is where me and John Fashante wrote serial song. It's where I finished Max Jill called. It's where I wrote the beginnings. Most, most of the beginnings of the songs or the lyrics of the songs that became the bicycle thief album in that apartment. I had my first sober Christmas in that apartment. Keith Morris bought a Christmas tree for us. Like it was about three feet tall. We put it on a night uh, on a table and then we made the, you know, a, a sheet going down and we put presents. And I remember that's where Max gave me my Fender guitar that I play still to this day, 24 years later. And Elijah was so happy and it was just the greatest thing. And I don't know that kids want that. I don't know that they want, they, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I just know that spending more money on drug treatment is not going to solve it. Um, uh, you know, 
More Narcan's not going to solve it. Giving drug addicts $1,600 isn't going to solve it. I don't know what's going to solve it. I don't know how you create hope in multiple generations of young people in America. I don't know how you do. Uh, yeah, and the homeless problem, too. I mean, that's what that creates. Well, Dr. Drew is going to solve that. Don't yeah, did you that. see where he's he was uh, nominated by this uh, Catherine supervisor? To... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he's going to do it. it. It's just it doesn't have any power, but they just want him to, you know, voice some opinions that you're not getting from the homeless advocate community, right? So I get I get why they want him, but that 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 board has no power. I can't believe that they're split. Like some of them, you know, like his. Uh, take on it which is mental health uh, treatment and drug addiction treatment to help the homeless and others are still stuck on this let's just build some more houses it's weird well <laughs> like la is never going to solve any problems i don't think so there was a new thing where and this this happened uh, here's an interesting thing because i've been around the world quite a few times chuck i was in brazil yeah. And I was sitting in, I happened to be with some friends and they were meeting with the guy's son, a business kind of plan that they were going to build a container hotel in, in um, Ipanema Beach, just south of Leblanc, right? right in the famous part of Rio de Janeiro. And what they were going to do is bring all these shipping containers, make them really dope with windows, stack them all up, and it would be this um, cheap, cool like hotel in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. And I saw the designs and it was totally cool. 10 years later, I'm in Las Vegas, living in Las Vegas. That guy from Zappos shoes that blew himself up on drugs. He built it in downtown Las Vegas. I don't know if you've been to the container place in downtown Las Vegas. Have you seen mm -hmm. it? It's so cool. It's like a village and it has stores inside the containers. It's really cool. You paint them, you paint them all different colors like Mondrian or something. Totally cool. Somebody proposed that the city do that for the homeless and the homeless advocates are complaining. Is that humane to put people in shipping containers? Yeah, it's better than letting them sleep in tents in front of Echo Park. <laughs> Fuck yes, it is. Are you fucking stupid? Yes, it's way better. And in fact, European travelers were going to sign up to vacation in Rio de Janeiro living in an inexpensive container <laughs> apartment. What the fuck is wrong with people, man? Is everybody supposed to live in Beverly Hills? Like, if you, yeah. if, when I was homeless, if you said, hey, Bob, go down to this thing and sign up, you get your free shipping container. It's got windows. It's all cool. It's got a toilet. I'd be like, you're fucking kidding me. That's amazing. And I can shoot speedballs in there? Yeah, to your heart's content. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> I, that would have been heaven. A shipping container with a window, a television, a toilet for you know, free. It would solve that paranoid problem you get on crack because there wouldn't be any way for anybody to get into you. Get yeah, in you and just, get you. You bolt that door shut and you're shit, like, man. yeah, how can they even get in? <laughs> Right. But but it's true. Like like they're coming. People are coming up with innovative solutions. And these these very rigid thinking, I, I you know, I used to think that their intentions are good. Now I don't even think their intentions are good. I think a lot of the intentions in America are just whatever the other side that I don't like that doesn't think like me or talk like me wants. I want the opposite. Right. So if it's somebody like Dr. Drew who says, hey, you know, we need mental health. A lot of this problem is mental health and a lot of this problem is addiction. They're going to say, no, it's not. It's just a lack of affordable housing. <laughs> like, like yeah. here's the deal. I had a lack of affordable housing and I moved to Claremont. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine using your, I didn't pinch a tent on Laurel Canyon <laughs> Boulevard. I went and lived somewhere I could afford, <laughs> you know, and my, right. my situation might be different in that I just refused to pay. Like I was born in Silver Lake. I don't know how many people, you know, born in Silver Lake. When my mom was pregnant with me, she used to go on the rowboats on Echo Park Lake. And it's a travesty what these advocates allowed to be in Echo Park Lake. 
and I, it's just awful. You know, I for years, whether it was my Elijah grew up in Echo Park, uh, but you know, I would tell him, you know, when my mom was pregnant with me, she used to row around in here. On, you know, it was such a cool thing. It's such a center of our lives, Echo Park Lake. And now some people that probably haven't even lived in L.A. that long are telling people, yeah, just pitch a tent. They're my, they're my neighbors. Your neighbors? They're living in a tent. <laughs> Do something to help them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Dr. Drew's going to bring all that kind of uh you know, crazy, crazy, hardcore ideas like people shouldn't sleep in tents outside. That's inhumane. Sleeping in a in a in a you know well designed, re refurbished a shipping container with a window and a toilet. That's much more humane than sleeping in a tent in Echo Park Lake in the freezing cold of winter. It's crazy, and yeah. so. So I, I just believe the number one problem in America is young people's vision of hope and what the future lies. You know, I, I wouldn't be having newborns and four-year-olds and 10-year-olds if I didn't think the future was bright. I wouldn't. I think the future is going to be amazing. It's the present that's just so, we're in this transitional period that's so ugly and awful and stupid and idiotic and childish and it's killing our children it's the grown adults acting like this and it's and our children have lost all kinds of like hopefulness that's all i can say yeah you know it chuck you deal with hundreds of young people every couple months how how do we bring how do we bring adults back into the fold without I don't know. There's been so there's such a degree of separation at this point. How do we begin to bend the, mend those fences without? Uh, we could, you know, it, it, well, a lot Mick of the Jagger, negativity is talk has stopped. But Mick, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger released a song with Dave Brawl. Did you see it? It's yeah. actually pretty fucking good compared to Rolling Stones. I, I, I like the song. I like the song. I love Dave Grawl. He's such a positive person. Um, but, but the lyrics are really good. And then he did an interview with Rolling Stone where he's talking about, yeah, he's talking about like he, he was so kind, yet he was getting to the point. And so you got to look at an elder like him. He's like been around everything for the last. He's been at the center of the universe for the last 60 years. And he said, you know, it's just interesting to me that like some of my own family members, some of my own children, some of my best friends are anti-vaccines. And, and, and to me, I, I have to question like what makes them not believe in science, not believe in medicine, right? What do you, where is this all coming from? And he, go, he said one thing. He said when he was a kid in school, and I had this in Palm Springs too, Kids had polio in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So you knew, uh, you know, and he said when I was in elementary primary school, there was a kid who had polio. And then there was one day he just wasn't there anymore. And it was the first person that Mac Jagger knew that died. And it was mm. just like, polio's bad. COVID yeah. is bad. COVID is really bad. Polio is bad. Measles is bad. Chickenpox is bad. But since no one of this generation that's objecting to vaccines has ever seen measles or chickenpox or polio, they don't understand how horrible it is. And then this whole idea that, um, that they're trying to brand you with vaccines, like y'all walk, <laughs> walk around with your phones and with, your, with your notification of where you are in case somebody you want to fuck is in the parking lot. Like, what are you talking about? Is that that's what that's for? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, now yeah, we know, Mike. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, think about it. People tell everybody everything every day about their lives, where they're going to be, where they're what they ate. Here's a picture of my food. Here's yeah. a picture of me outside, you know, the protest on Hollywood Boulevard. Here's where I am. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I believe. They give all their beliefs, all their ideas, everything they do and, and think and wish for, they put on social media. And then they think somehow getting a COVID vaccine is some conspiracy to find out more things about them. 
What more do we need to know about boring, stupid-ass people? They tell us everything. The first time I mm-hmm. saw somebody, there was a friend of mine that Mike knows. It's a, it's a girl that we've known most of our adult lives. She was the first person I saw, because when I got on social media very late in, like, I don't know, 2005 or, or 10 or something. No, 2012 or 14, maybe. So it was the first person I saw. She just had a picture of what she was eating and she put it on Facebook. And I was like, that is what is at first I thought, is there something about it? Is there a hair in it? Is there a rack in there? (laughs) And I was zooming in. Like, why is she putting her food on the Internet? Like, because I thought it's got to be that something bad happened with it. Or that or there's something like funny a bug, or something. A bug yeah. in it or something. No, she just wanted to share what she was having for lunch with everybody that she knew. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Still happens. But giving the opinion is now everybody's opinions. And, and you know, the idea, see, what's, what the internet and social media has done is it's made people think that people care what their opinion is. Like in real life, nobody gives their opinion because they know nobody cares about your opinion. But somehow you get to your phone late at night and you're laying in bed or you're sitting around doing nothing. You think, I'm going to give an opinion out right now. I'll bet you people are going to enjoy this opinion. And you get, right? <laughs> or, or they're going to disagree and then I can, I can argue endlessly. Those, th- those are some of the most ridiculous things and whatever. They'll figure it out. I think people are tiring of it already. But I Mick think- Jagger has a real gracious way of just saying he's just kind of he's not mad at the people that are anti-vaxxers. I don't know how to describe it. He's just kind of in disbelief that people are like that and not people, not strangers you don't know, like some of your best friends. It's like crazy. Like who who is against science? I, I guess like half the country. What's with this band, the Hollywood Vampires, with Alice Cooper and Johnny Depp? And um, they've been around forever, man. When they you have? just catch on yeah. to it, yeah. Did they don't have a whole album, do they? Yeah, they have an album out. Is that what they do? I didn't know they made records. I thought they just did live stuff. I know Alice Cooper has a new one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I stopped listening to Alice Cooper after you know. Welcome what? to my night. Welcome this to is my songs night about nightmare. Detroit. Oh. I mean, he's been making music for fifty years. We need to talk more to about good. Alice Cooper. Sober well, billion dollar. I'll talk about schools out and billion dollar babies and welcome to my nightmare. How about th- how about one? Of, how about this? Here's one thing I don't like because I've been dealing with the music business a little bit. Everything is so overt, like wet ass pussy. Like there's nothing. There's nothing yeah. uh, <laughs> kind of disguised about that. There's no, there's no mystery to wet ass pussy, right? It's not and clever all, at all. Yeah. There's nothing. And in 1976, I believe it was Dick Wagner, one of the great guitar players of all time, of which I had the pleasure of playing with Chuck. How about that? Ooh, what do you know? And uh, who played on uh, rock and roll with Lou Reed, right? Mike, the live album with Lou Reed is Dick yes. Wagner, the guitar yep. player. Yep. And oh, he, pl- he then went from Lou Reed to working with Alice Cooper. And they, I believe, wrote the double entendre song, Only Women Bleed. Do you remember this song? Yeah, it was yeah. an AM radio hit called <laughs> Only Women Bleed. I just think okay. there's something beautiful about that. You never heard that song, Chuck? Yes, I only have. Women bleed, <laughs> only women bleed. Only women bleed. Only women bleed. So it was about women hurting and men being bad and all that. So that's been a theme for a long time in music, not just here recently. Um, but, but I just started thinking like all the double entendre songs, just, uh, you know, a song me and Mike used to, um sing called easy rider it's about like a kind of a loose gal easy rider right you know that and then it later became cc rider that elvis presley covered but easy rider uh it's uh, what does it say mike stand in the kitchen in your morning gown stand in the kitchen in your morning gown and say hey 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 what easy rider see what you done done so there was these 
I don't know these subliminal sub- Bob yeah. there was a really cool line in there that said uh, let me be your sidetrack when your main line comes remember that <laughs> let me be your sidetrack when your main line comes in other words he's gonna cheat while her husband's away till your yeah till her, till her husband comes back so so there was all these like I don't know it was just clever and interesting and made you you know rock and roll the term rock and roll is sex Right. Yeah, nothing's <laughs> and nothing's and clouded anymore. Nothing's no, it's hidden. all this in your face, like bah, bah, and there's no cleverness to it. And I, I just thought, like, the only thing I like about Alice Cooper is how he was able to infiltrate AM radio, like not not like <laughs> FM radio, and like you know, I don't know how to describe it to kids nowadays. The difference between FM and AM, AM radio. The bus driver, when we went to school, played the AM radio station in my bus when I was going to middle, you know, to elementary school, and middle school. And, you know, you would hear only women bleed and and um, a horse with no name. I knew that I'm was totally G rated. It was more I knew that G-rated. was about heroin. I knew that was about heroin when I was 12 years old. I've been obsessed <laughs> with heroin since before I even knew what it was. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> I've been through the desert. I remember that when bus drivers used to play music in the bus. Yeah, Yeah. AM radio. And there was all these like really crazy, cool songs. What about, uh, I was playing my father-in-law this song that my my parents used to have me sing when I was a kid. Dang Me by, I I forget who sang it, uh, uh, but it goes, dang me. Hang, dang me, hang me from the highest tree. Woman, won't you wait for me? Boop, 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 a doop. The guy's asking to be uh, uh, killed. Hang me from the <laughs> highest tree because I'm just such a such a piece of shit. That was an AM radio hit. Dang me, right? <laughs> and, and it, but it was I don't know. There's just no mystery to life anymore. It's all wet ass pussy, and I'm gonna fuck this person up and that's what's so interesting you have these this dichotomy of our culture where the music is just so over the top vulgar and violent and on the other hand the same people that listen to that music which i'm assuming are young people in their teens and 20s and early 30s the people who listen to wet ass pussy are also the ones saying we can't say this word we can't say that word you can't do this you can't do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. it's just the strangest thing i don't get it either <laughs> and 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 so i really believe i i found i figured it out that until there is hope there will be drug overdose death until there is hope there will be homelessness until there is hope there will be division and hatred for no reason i've got a client who posted something on um he said it was on methamphetamine, which is like a joke dating thing for, and it's like a bunch of memes, like drug memes and stuff. And he posted something on there that a guy in LA got offended by. And the guy that was in LA figured out where he worked by looking at his profile, called his boss and said, you need to fire this guy. Oh my God! Man. And the guy that goes. Guy, to work. That guy has too much time on his hands. Like right. he should have. He should have. He should get a life. That guy in L.A. Get a well, fucking I, life. I'd like to. I'd like to find out his name, but I didn't get into it because you know I'm trying to serve the client's needs, not get to the bottom of this. So his boss told him to take two weeks off without pay. So what's bumping into his being able to leave treatment and get that place that he wanted because he's been working. And the place he works is in Irvine. And the place that's in Irvine is so worried about because this guy was talking about, I'm going to tell everybody what your employee posts if you don't do something to teach him a lesson about respect. And I'm thinking, who on earth has enough time to go through memes, find something to be offended about, and then find out where these people work and to make that connection? I thought that was just so, it it pissed me off. It's just like, and the fact that they kowtowed to him. They should have said, well, you know they, what? They, they, that, that's what's probably going to end the kowtowing. And then that will make the whole thing go back and it's under its ugly rock, I think. Like, it's yeah. just like, you know, um, I, I don't know. I don't know why people are so miserable and angry. I just don't know why. 
life is so short too. Do, so the guy in LA, does he know how life is, how short his life is? <laughs> say, he's, say he's in his thirties. He's got 40 more years left. Is that how he wants to spend it? Like ruining other people's lives for no reason, causing a bunch of distress and ugliness in the world. Why not go help some children? And, you, and know, you know, I, you know, what's so <laughs> funny about this society you have to brag about yourself to show examples of how you should be. Like, I don't want to just, I've never sued anybody in my life ever. You can look it up. There's never been a lawsuit, Bob Forrest against somebody else ever. Have I had good reason to sue? A few times, but, but it's so ugly. It's so something I don't want in my life. I've never tried to ruin somebody else's life, no matter what they've done to me. I, I never would do that. And, and what I do spend my time doing is like with my friends, starting a music school, starting another music school. I have a preschool in my house for, for the parents around here that the preschool that closed. I try to be a part of No Kid Hungry. I try to help kids because I'm done helping drug addicts, honestly. Because, like, you know, the first 20 years of my life was spent trying to raise money for drug programs and free drug treatment and whatever at a certain point. And I'll tell you the point was, I won't tell you who it was, but I'll tell you. I went, okay, I went to a friend and I said, listen, we're going to do this benefit concert for this um, drug program. Will you do it? And he goes, you know, this would be, how many, how many of the shows have I done for you? And I was like, this would be the third. And he goes, okay, I've done three programs for you. You know, Bob, there's a lot of other causes in the world. It was the first time it wasn't being, he wasn't being mean about it. And he did play the concert, but he just said, right. maybe you should broaden your vision of like the need in this country and this, in this world, he said. And uh, that's, and wow. a few, a, a year to later is when I got involved with no kid hungry. It's called but breakfast in the classroom because I started thinking, yeah, there's fucking kids in El Monte don't even have fucking food to eat. Why am I so concerned with, you know, a drug addict going to treatment for the fourth time? And I started getting involved in children's, more children's stuff. And that's really where I dedicate most of my energy is, you know, to things for disadvantaged children. So that guy in L.A. needs to go help some disadvantaged children instead of trying to ruin some <laughs> poor little drug addict's life in Irvine. You know, right. it's the truth. And, and yeah. because every action we take, I mean, I started thinking about this. And I'll leave, leave you with this. So I've lived. Are you ready for this? Are you ready, Chuck? Yeah, I'm totally ready. I've lived about 28,000 days. Oh, boy, that's right? a lot of days. Is it true? So like, I've lived 60 years. 365 per year, 3,600, 7,000 every 20 years. Oh, no, 21,000. I've lived 21,000 days. And I was thinking about this the other night, because when you have a baby, you're up quite often, and you have time to think, Chuck. You have time to think. <laughs> I remember. And I was thinking about this, like, how many days do I have left? So say it's 20 years. I only have 7,000 days left, and I've lived 21,000 days. Do I want to spend like 400 of those days being angry at some guy, you know, for that did something wrong to me? Do I want to try to spend, uh, you know, dozens of those days railing against whatever kind of bothersome, what words people use or what, what, what things people believe, right? I don't really want to, but Obviously, when you got 7,000 days left, you're going to waste a few, you know, on anti-vaxxers or whatever. But, <laughs> but, but really, when a majority of your time is spent angry and ugly and trying to get even with some injustice, it's such a waste of what you could do with those 7,000 days. Such a waste, right? Rather than you know, mentor a kid in, 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 in South Central. Do something positive in your neighborhood. Build, start a garden. You know, try to, try, to <laughs> yeah. try to start a company that employs six or eight people and make sure, like this great company in Seattle that just contacted us, 
that only employs recovering drug addicts, the whole company. And I was like, really? Does anything get done there? (laughs) That was the first thing thing I said. But but really, when you think about it, like it's this sober guy who's passionate about AA, passionate about sobriety. And he said, no, I started this this building company, this construction company, and everyone who works here is either out of prison on parole or a a recovering addict. And I thought, God, what an amazing guy. I don't want to work there, but wouldn't it make sense? You don't want to spend your last 7,000 days there? (laughs) I would would let him build a house, but not remodel. (laughs) Ironically, he wants to build low-cost rehab centers in remote locations. I love it. How great is that? Perfect. So... So look at what that guy's doing with his, uh, he's younger than me. So he's probably got like 14,000 days left. So you asked earlier, Chuck, how do we convince people? I think one-on-one, you got to go, dude, do you want to spend your life like getting some guy in trouble at his job? Or do you want (laughs) to fall in love and have a family and, you know, start a business or. Oh, Bob, did you get my text earlier this week about if you knew any therapists and MFTs or anybody that's looking for work in Orange County? Yeah, but, but. Yeah, but Orange County is the hard thing, right? Right. It's hard to get people to want to drive down there. The people I know are like, you know, at best, they live in like downtown LA. Can they work remotely? That's the one thing I was going to text you. Yeah, no, we need need boots on the ground. We've got one that's leaving and one that's not healthy. Well, anybody out there that wants to, I know there's a lot of people living, listen to us back east. Hey, somebody want to move out to Huntington Beach and get a one-bedroom apartment for $3,800? Come on out. <laughs> Any Trumpers MFA. out there that want to uh, come? <laughs> yeah. Mike Mark, you know, shame on you. Well, <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. You know what? I, I went so for a bike cheap. ride. It's so I rode, cheap. I made the mistake of riding my bike through Huntington Beach. You know, I, there's a bike trail that goes oh, to, goodbye, on guys. Saturday. I'm, I'm done. He made a mistake of going <laughs> oh to a place where God. I live. See you later. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Boy, hey, good night. I'll talk to you off camera, Mike. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs>